Welcome everyone, live from Killer Downs College in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Dion and my co-hosts today are Jacob, Mia, Declan and Jonathan. Our special guest today is Fred. Hi Fred, welcome to the show. Hey mate, thank you for having me. Thanks. Um, since you're 26 years old, what started your gambling addiction? Oh, that's a loaded question. Let's dive right in. Um... Uh, I'd say it started when I was really, really young. Like the more I reflect on it, the more I uncover new things. So for example, when I was nine, I was, uh, my dad put me in a Norm Smith lottery. We were at his, he was living in the Eureka Tower at the time and we were in the cinema room and there was an older guy walking around with like a hat in, it was West Coast, Sydney, 2006. And you put in a couple of coins and you get names out of the hat. And I got Andrew Embley and he won. That was in 2006 or one. That's 17 years ago. And I just remember how excited I was. Like that lit me up like a Christmas tree. And there are other signs and links. Like I was addicted to arcade games, like a game called Stacker where you stack the blocks three, two, one. And I, and it's rigged and I lost hundreds and even thousands on it but i won a couple times you know and that was what kept me going and also a little bit as well with like console games so like modern warfare simpsons hit and run stuff like that and i was just you know some people can play for fun and that's fine but i was absolutely obsessed you know that's just my nature even still absolutely obsessed with winning and and competing so i would say those things really is probably what started at getting a couple scratches when i was young and then properly started like consistently started when I was 14 where I had, you know, five, $10 pocket money. I could go to a TAB. I knew which tab to go to, who was working, how to position myself so I wouldn't be caught, how much time I could spend there, you know, without getting questions asked, obviously not wearing school uniform. So yeah, I'd say that's, that was how it started. After all those years of gambling, oh, sorry, I'm Declan. <laughs> After all those years of gambling your money away, are you still tempted when you see a machine or something like sports bet? No, because I know what will happen for one, and it's been a long time, so it's not. I just feel like every day you get every day from I think from any trauma, um, and I'm always speaking from personal experience. I can't speak for anyone else except for myself, but any trauma that I've experienced in my life every single day you feel a little bit less triggered and a little bit less traumatized and that's how I feel with gambling I've had I haven't gambled in almost seven years but there's been two moments where I was really in that seven years besides the first couple months where you're going through withdrawal um there's been two moments where I would say I was seriously triggered one was COVID because you know I'm a very highly active person like a little bit ADD brained so I was bouncing off the wall and um and the and I absolutely love footy and soccer like I love sport like it's my life like I'm a full-time soccer coach it's I absolutely love it and there's nothing wrong with that I I think it's great but at the time it was footy frenzy footy for every day for 21 days and that's pretty much that was like the only thing to look forward to and my friends were putting in group chats you know i'm betting on this i'm betting on that and i was fully triggered like fully triggered um and i yeah i spoke to my psych and yeah we had an interesting moment and yeah just uh, after that session i was going no you know i decided no i know what will happen i've been there done that thank you very much and the other one was i was in a pd day for a maths conference and um we were like with teachers and we were playing this game these like primary school games and it was really weird because I felt like I was a kid 
you know, playing a game like Greedy Pig and Rolling Dice and stuff like that. And I was like fully into it. Mm-hmm. And my boss, she was amazing about it. She sent me a message going, you know, okay, do you need to go for a walk? She could see that I was getting like, you know, lit up, let's say. And, you know, um, I went for a drive and I was just like, like almost in tears. I was like, wow. Cause even though you leave it, it never leaves you. So I am still vulnerable if I'm in the wrong environment or situation. So I do need to be careful, but it's not an everyday problem for me anymore. So in in six and a half years, to answer your question, it's been seriously triggered twice. But again, I know I've been there, done that. I know what will happen. Okay. It's not worth it. Not for me. With you losing basically nearly a quarter of a million dollars Mm. and even stealing money from your mom, it was her breaking point. She had enough. And she decided to take you to a psychiatrist. Did that solve the problem straight away? Did, did no, work? no, not at all. Because the, the breaking point started me in the right direction. Like, so I'd stolen from her twice to gamble and pay off debts to my friends that I'd borrowed money from them that I couldn't pay back. Um, and the first two times, she just gave me a slap on the wrist because she's, you know, soft and free-spirited and wild like I am. And we're so, we're so similar. It's ridiculous. We laugh about it all the time. Um, the third time, she said, if you do it again, I'm, I'm calling the police and I'm pressing charges against you for theft. And for want of a better word, I, I shat myself. <laughs> my, my self-preservation kicked in and I went, shit, if I keep doing this, then something really bad is going to happen. And I, and I told you guys earlier, and, and it's so important to me to make this point. It's really easy as a gambler, the more pain and harm you feel, the more you want to gamble. The gambling is your flight mechanism. It's your, or for me anyway, my escape from everything I was going through. It's much harder when someone disables you, not enables you, disables you and says, not even says, does. If you keep doing this, this really bad thing is going to happen to you. Not to anyone else, to you. And that was, okay, now I need to change. I'm going to be someone else. I'm going to be something else. And it didn't turn around overnight, not at all. That wasn't even the last day I gambled, but it was the first day I decided I want to be someone different. I want to do something different with my life. And that was probably the most pivotal day in my entire recovery journey. There's been many big days and big moments, but that was number one because it started. That was my start. That day was my start in the right direction. And the recovery journey, it's not all linear, guys. It's up and down, up and down. And no, it didn't, to answer your question, didn't fix things straight away because I was still lying. I was still fully absorbed with that gamble's logic that, you know, I just wanted to gamble and, and that's all I was thinking about. And the only way I could see out of it was gambling. It took, yeah, it took a long time. Probably took about a year until I started being open with him and honest. And before I could be open and honest with him, I had to be open and honest with myself. This is how much I've lost. And when I did that and I told my godmother, then I could tell him as well. And that really started in the positive. From then, it's been very positive momentum. Still not linear, but generally speaking, always, almost always in the right direction. Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Did your life experiences at a young age have an influence for you to gamble? A hundred percent. hundred percent. So... As I told you guys earlier, I lost my old man when I was 13 and he was sick when I was 10. Um, and he was a, I'd say, semi-professional punter because he had businesses and he was a very successful mathematician. 
And that kind of made it harder because he was well-respected as a businessman, very well-respected as a mathematician and just a, a good human being. Like he was a very generous, honest man. So there was nothing, if anything, the gambling was looked up to. And that made it harder because I wasn't having success. And I wasn't, the, I wasn't nearly the mathematician that he was. I didn't have his self-contained personality. I was completely out of control. I had no impulse control whatsoever. So losing him, and even before that, seeing him gamble and then losing him, it was like a subconscious connection of the trauma of losing him, of trying to connect with him, maybe emulate him, maybe just fit my personality, which is kind of why maybe why he gambled, stuff like that. So all of it, absolutely, it, I think all, almost all of it comes from nature and nurture. Yeah, good question. Now, Jonathan here. Um, hey, Jonathan. Yeah, so with your uh, inheritance that probably encouraged you to gamble more as you believe they would, like gave you more of a chance to win bigger, uh, what advice would you give your younger self to prevent if you could like prevent from all your actions when you were um, deep into the gambling I wouldn't say anything because there's nothing that I could have said that would have changed anything so I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything because when I was in that mindset nothing was going to stop me except what happened which was the rock bottom so I, I would say nothing and I actually don't have any regret so I, to my younger self I wouldn't say anything maybe yeah <laughs> Nah, just, just maybe just don't die. <laughs> but no, nah, I wouldn't say anything because it was a very expensive lesson, but a lesson I needed to have. And unfortunately, I'm someone that needs to learn the hard way. I hope that, look, it's better not to. <laughs> You're better off not losing 250 grand if you offered it to me back. If the agency said you can have it back, of course I would take it. But no, nah, it was a very expensive lesson. And when I was consumed by compulsive gambling, and just in such bad mental health, you know, depression and anxiety, there was nothing that anyone could have said, including myself, that would have stopped me, except for hitting rock bottom, unfortunately. And that's just for me, again, speaking from personal experience. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM, live from Killerdowns College in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Dion and my co-hosts today are Jacob, Mia, Declan and Jonathan. And our special guest today is Fred. When you were at your lowest, what were your days looking like regularly? Oh, that's a tricky one. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was really overweight. Um, and if I was getting out of bed, it was to gamble. And, you know, this is the peak of the gambling. And I still had some really low days in the recovery journey that was hard, but I was much more motivated because I was decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I'm going to try and be not a lying gambling thief. I wanted to be a different person. So that made the hard days not easier, but that made me more productive on them. The hard days in gambling, I would just gamble. I'd gamble online casino, I'd gamble on the footy, soccer. Yeah, and then if I had the energy, I'd go to the casino, or go to the pubs with a mate, bet on dogs and horses. And it just started with footy and soccer, which is something I grew up, especially footy, that's something I grew up loving. It was an innocent love of the game. You know, I grew up going there with my dad and my brother and, and family friends. And that's how it started. And, and as I told you guys earlier, I was not a good school student. I was not engaged in the school system. I was bored in the classroom. I enjoyed recess and lunch and the social and sporting parts, but I didn't enjoy the academic part at all. So finishing school was a real 
grind for me, but also danger because I didn't have structure and I didn't want to study. So that's where gambling came in. And yeah, it was, it was really, 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 really tricky. Yeah. The, the low days were just, yeah, they were terrible. I remember one day I was in the casino and I just, and I'd lost and I just broke down crying. Um, I went into the bathroom and I just broke down crying and I didn't know why. Cause I was just all over the shop. Like one day I was up, then I was down, then I was side to side, but underneath it, I was consistently unhappy with what was going on. You know, the, the wins and the losses of gambling was just a distraction. But yeah, one day I, I broke down in the, in the casino bathroom crying. Another day I broke down at home crying. One of the biggest things for me that stopped me from seeking help was one, not acknowledging that I had a problem, you know, thinking that I was better and smarter than the system and better than everyone else. So big ego and bravado. And two was knowing it was going to be bloody hard. And it is bloody hard, guys, but it's worth it. It's so much better. So that's it. Um, due to your mum, like, doing, like, a little threat about calling the cops. Uh, it wasn't a little threat. Do you reckon that if she didn't threat you, do you reckon you'd still be gambling today? Um, no, I just think my rock bottom would have been worse. So I think I would have maybe... I don't know, just done some sort of dangerous activity that got me in trouble, maybe borrowed from like a loan shark or something like that. I would have hit at some point rock bottom. And I'm, yeah, and I'm really lucky that she did do that, that she disabled me. That was a gift that she did that, that she stopped enabling by just being overly soft with the first, no, she wasn't happy I was stealing from her, but she was just, it was just words. Then the third time she said, and I knew she was serious, you do it again, I call the police, you're going to jail. I felt everything. I felt everything. And like I said before, it's so easy when you're gambling through chips and screens to distance yourself from the loss and the harm, even though everyone else is feeling it, including yourself. And the more you feel it, the more you want to fight to gambling. Yeah. So you just don't enable. Just don't enable. Don't reward bad behavior. That's my advice. And yeah, disabling me was the best thing she ever could have done because yeah, I probably would have hit bottom, but it would have been a worse bottom. And some people, and I, and, and I want to make that point and I try to every time I speak. I am so lucky that that was my bottom because- it could be much worse. Exactly. Some people's bottom is suicide. Some people's bottom is jail. So I'm really lucky. And the fact that not only did I, that I hit bottom like that, but she was still willing- and able to pay for high level, very high level psychiatric support. One of the best in the country. How lucky am I? You know, I, I was stealing from her and she was still willing and able to do that She's for me. Supporting you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she had the means to do it. Not everyone has that. In fact, most don't in that situation. So that's one of the main reasons that drives me to speak is for the, I'm here for the people that can't be here, that are in jail or have passed away. Yeah, I'm here speaking for them as well as myself. Okay. Uh, Jacob here. Sorry, I didn't introduce great, myself great before. Um, now that you got your life back on track and you're in a better position for yourself, mm. are you more responsible and better at handling money now? <laughs> it's, it's a very good question. And the reason I I laugh is it, I, it's the second time I've ever gotten that question. The last school I went to was the first time I ever got that question. Um, am I more responsible? Yes. Am I better at handling money? No, no, I'm not. Because no, I'm really, I'm not. Um, I'm better at earning it, but I'm not better 
I need to rebuild my relationship with money. And it's something that I've put off a little bit. I put off for a couple of years and I just, it was kind of still on a, a coping escape mechanism for life was money in money out. Just not having a proper respect for money. Cause I was spoiled as a young kid and I was entitled and I was a bit of a brat. Um, so I didn't have a proper respect for money and I still struggle with it. So to answer your question, no, it's, I still struggle. It's still a little bit money in money out. It's just not going to gambling. So yeah. that's better that it's not going to gambling, but I'm, I still have issues with respect and relationship to money. So is, no. is that a goal? So like achieve huge, towards that? huge. It's my number one. I've got kind of three main things that I'm working on at the moment, but that's my, that's probably my, my number one because it's, it's life. Like you, yeah. you need money to live and um, I don't want to be an overgrown child. You know, I want to, part of this formation, you know, is finding myself and, Part of that is I want to be independent and stand on my own two feet and I'm getting there and I, in terms of the income side of it, but you no, know, the respect and relationship with money is something I still really struggle with. And I'm lucky that I have um, my best friends, a financial wizard and he helps me with my money um, like plan and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but no, it's just cause I left gambling doesn't mean my issues and my, the amount of money I have and my respect and relationship to money has, doesn't mean that, it's fixed. And in fact, it, it hasn't. So I'm just working through that now. That's good. Great question. Yeah. Um, for the people who have someone gambling, mm. how, what advice would you give them to help their loved ones? Oh, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'd say just the best I can say is, yeah, don't enable. Mm. Don't enable. Um, it just can't make anything better. Enabling any kind of addiction, in my opinion, from my lived experience. Um, the other thing I would say is in, and again, when I speak, I'm speaking from my experience. Everyone's is different. Like a lot of people haven't gone to psychiatry and have still found self-awareness. Psychiatry is not the only way. It was just a way. And it's a way that worked for me, but it's not the only way to recovery. And it's not the only way to self-awareness, but it was, it was a good one for me and a necessary one. What I would say is sometimes the problem is bigger than a familial issue. So the family wants to be the ones to solve it and they take it really personally because, you know, it's their sibling, their son, and they really, they're angry and they're emotional and they want to be the ones to fix it. But sometimes they can't be. Sometimes, at least for my situation, I needed medical intervention because I was very depressed and anxious. So, and I had other stuff going on. I had trauma of losing dad. So that's my advice is sometimes the family can't, as much as they want to be, they can't be the solution and they might need to uh, have the humility to ask for help from external professionals. But I think a lot of, in my experience, a lot of families and, uh, are pretty good at, um, and people pr who are around the gamblers are pretty good at saying this guy needs help and trying, but at the end of the day, the gambler's not going to get help until they're ready. With how normalized gambling is today, if nothing is done to limit how easy it is to access and view gambling commercials on TV, how do you think gambling is going to affect society in, let's let's say, five years? It's uh, a good question. I'm a, I'm a little bit optimistic. I mean, I'm, I'm that type of guy, but I've seen... I've sat on a lot of these, you know, committees and boards and stuff like of like lived experience people trying to change regulations like advertising and like sports bet marketing budget guys that went up 
I think something like 40 million or 60 million went up. Um, so that scares me, but I'm also optimistic because I've seen some positive change. For example, slowing down of pokies machines. Um, they're not staggering. They're not allowing pubs and clubs to stagger the hours anymore. So that's really good because apparently what was happening is the the gambles would go from the pokies, the one that closed and just go to another one. But now they're having a shutdown period that they all must follow. Um, and I, I shouldn't say gambles, they're, they're, they're humans gambling. So I'm optimistic that we're headed in a positive direction with the change, but I'm also not naive and delusional because we're the biggest losers of gamblers in the world per person we average more than and including babies and children um per person we average more than a thousand dollar loss per year and that's also very disproportionate because that could be for many people zero and for someone else a million dollars so i'm optimistic but yeah i'm also at the same time i'm concerned uh, was there anyone else in particular who helped you stop other than your mother and the psychiatrist? Was there anyone that really influenced you? Yeah, they're the main two. My godmother, um, my godmother Jean, was massive. Um, just having a safe, a hard person for me. Like she's a hard, tough lady and very honest, but also very supportive. So she was massive. And yeah, my friends, my friends were were so so important like just being in a good place where I could be myself and they were just so supportive maybe it's sometimes too supportive but I mean if they weren't supportive then we wouldn't still be friends because I would have you know I would have just burned the friendships with what I was doing so um no my friends were absolutely phenomenal and I'm very lucky to have them um, doing your part-time hobbies, would you say that was a key influence into stopping your addiction and taking your mind oh, off of yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And that's a great question. One of the biggest triggers for me, and I know for a lot of other people that have told me this, was boredom. So it's very easy to say stop. Well, what are you going to do next? And I couldn't stop until I believed that I could do something more worthwhile. And I'm lucky that I am naturally self-confident. And I could still, in my lowest points, and I can still remember this, fantasizing about it being better. Fantasizing about when I was like really fat and just completely unwell. Fantasizing about having a girlfriend, going to university, having my own car, being in good health. So that fantasy, that belief that it could get better was fundamental. Because without it, if you don't believe that it can get better, then why are you going to stop? And then even though I didn't fulfill that fantasy because the end of the day, it's just a fantasy that gave me the confidence to try something different. And it was hard and I didn't want to because I knew it was going to be hard work. But eventually, with support and patience, I got there. And yeah, like I, I left gambling and I went into the gym and I was completely batshit crazy at the time in the sense that I was completely like frantic and manic in my temperament and I was just pushing my body way too hard because I was really overweight and unwell and I lost like 50 kilos and it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't necessarily healthy, but I was better off being in the gym and being in the casino. So being somewhere different, just to start getting to get me out of there, to get into a different environment was really important and a trend in the right direction with everything that's happened 
in your life and all this stuff, would you say it's somewhat a gift because now you can mm. talk about it and change people's lives that's going through the same struggles that you've experienced? That's a really good one. That's one I haven't got before. Is it a gift? <laughs> I would say the self-awareness is a gift. Mm. It's an absolute gift. Um, and it, it can be really painful, guys, because not everything I found out about myself I liked. Not all the traumas that I have I wanted to deal with. But the reason I say the self-awareness part is a gift and the lesson is a gift is it's not my fault that I'm an addict, but it's my responsibility. Because if I don't take responsibility, everyone around me suffers. Everyone around me. Yeah. So without psychiatry, I wouldn't have had that self-awareness to understand that. Because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just running away. I was just being like an animal, like being primal. I was just feeling and reacting and acting, you know? And with the self-awareness, I go, oh, wow, wait, wait a second. You know what this is now. Mm-hmm. You know, I can put my wanting to win, my obsessiveness, which are good things, guys, like competitiveness. I could put that into healthier forms of life. It just manifested into something really ugly. But just because I left gambling doesn't mean that left my nature, not at all. I just learned about that part of my nature. Took a while to come to terms with that and appreciate that part of it. But then now I can put it into something healthier, and which for me now is, is full-time soccer coaching, sometimes working with special needs kids, stuff like that. And I absolutely love that. That's good. And for me, that's, what, that's real winning. Because what I can do, not in terms of win-loss of the game, what I can do in terms of impacting young lives, it's real. The win you get from gambling, it's not real. It, it lasts like 10 seconds and then it's gone and you want it again. And you're gambling with so much more than money. You're gambling with your health, your emotions, your time, your energy. And what I like to say is even if you win, sometimes you even lose in that it's just not worth it. It's just not. Yeah. And that's that's my that's my opinion from my... <laughs> unfortunately, well-informed lived experience opinion. Uh, you said at a young age, you liked footy over soccer. Would you say that's still the case now? <laughs> what a great question. Um, I hope my coaching boss, my soccer coaching boss isn't watching this. I, yeah, it's a hard one because I'm, I'm a full-time soccer coach, but I grew up on footy and these guys that I work with, these Europeans and I love them. They're hilarious and they're unbelievably hard workers and just really good human beings. They are machines. Um, And I don't have that level of drive. I'd say I like soccer and I love footy. That's the best way I can put it. The the, the part about soccer that I love is goalkeeping. So that's my specialty Um, is being a goalkeeping coach and a a goalkeeping futsal. And I love that. Um, But yeah, I'm open-minded. Maybe one day I'll shift to footy. How long have you been coaching for now? Six and a half years, full-time for one year part-time for three and a half years, okay. four Where? years um, in the East. So I was with um, Ashburton United for seven seasons. Absolutely loved it. Great club at the time of my life, but I was ready for a new challenge. So I moved on probably about a month ago and now I'm with football first, um, an amazing an academy in the East in Burwood. Okay. Who do you support in the AFL? Um, I support Collingwood. <sighs> Premiers. Madly as well. What about in the soccer, like Premier League? Tottenham. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tottenham. Come on, man. Man, we've got we big ends. What are you man. talking about? We've got yeah. Ange. How can you not support that? You must. 
What sort of Aussies are you guys? Come on. Liverpool's better. Come yes, on. Yeah, but you got to respect the Ange, guys. Come on. Yeah. United. Nah. Anyways, that's all we have time for today. Thank you to our guest, Fred. It's been a great pleasure talking to you today. Live from Killerdowns College in Melbourne, Australia, you have been listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Dion and my co-hosts today were Jacob, Mia, Declan and Jonathan. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you have found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Another shot to avoid this mess You live a new way where there ain't no stress Well, welcome to the planet Earth We're all trying our best to avoid the hurt But man, it's really only a matter of time Before somebody you love's gonna cross the line